Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner in Las Vegas alongside Chris Lisa in Long Island. We have Russ Cohen from Philly coming on later in the show. We're all over the map. We're going to talk BGK the last week, headed into the break. What can we expect going forward? We're going to look at the Flyers and, and can they still make a run and what's going on there. We've got around the league news from Edmonton and a couple other places to get into and the OT segment, we're going to look at two teams that we each think that need to go all in at the trade deadline. So stay tuned. We're going to have a great show. All right. Well, that got cut off. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. we got another great show again today. Chris, how are you, sir? I'm doing good. And just hearing that outline, it does sound like a great show. So I'm, uh, I'm excited. It's always great to talk to Russ. Uh, he's like, a, I consider him one of the hockey sages. So, uh. You know, with that, why don't we jump into the the, the Vegas lane? And um, you know, uh, they had a great, they had a nice lopsided win last Saturday against Pittsburgh. Uh, Caught Pittsburgh on the second game of the back-to-backs. You know, some teams are good at that. I can think of one you know, around by me, and some teams are nearby with that. Nearby, maybe seven and zero this year. Just saying, uh, five and two on the front end. So I love the back-to-backs. But anyway, I right. digress. Uh, you know. Tough, uh, nip and tough game. Loses basically a one goal game to Minnesota at home, and then uh, you know uh, Soros decides uh, of Nashville decides to uh, uh, dial in his inner Ken Dryden, if you will, and, and again and the Knights come up short, two uh, one against Nashville, forty seven saves. So you know one and two obviously is not what you're looking for. I mean they played better than that, uh, but um, now they head into the break now third place. I think they're, what, three points behind the Sharks, but more importantly, nine points behind Calgary. Uh, and, for, you know, not impossible, but winning this division uh, is going to be very, very difficult. Uh, that's that's more the theme that came out this last week for me is, I think the last time we were on, they were five points, and now they're nine. So, uh, they need a little losing streak by Calgary, but, um, you know, I, I I think they're destined for either that they're going to be in that two three matchup in the Pacific. If I was a, a betting man, which I am not, and ironically I'm on the on the co-host of the Vegas Hockey Podcast, but I am not. Uh, but I would say, you know, odds of probability they're in they they are in that two three spot is I would say at least what ninety percent. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, Coach didn't like the Minnesota effort. I don't know if you saw the post game on that. Um, so one of the reporters asked about the Pacioretty Tuck Staffney line and said they they looked pretty good tonight. So some along those lines, and Coach said they were minus two. I don't see how that's any good. Um, and, and another. another uh, Another reporter in the scrum uh, tried to push the issue, and coach kind of blew up on the team, said they weren't ready to play, they didn't show up, they met a team that was playing more desperate hockey than they did, and didn't didn't appreciate the effort of the Golden Knights in that Minnesota Wild game, put it that way. It was, it was almost as, as vocal as I've heard him um, laying into the team publicly like that. Um, so they did come out with a better effort against – Nashville 
so you mentioned UC Soros with 47 saves last year. I believe he had a 51 save effort earlier this year. Oh, really? Um, so this is, he, he's got their number. I think you got to get to him early and, and the Knights poured everything they could to him in the first period of that game. And when, when Soros, I, I it, it was almost a carbon copy of the 51 save effort. Um, he stood on his head and took the game. I thought the Knights pretty much played the better hand in right. that game, out shooting Nashville fourteen to two in the third period, um, eighteen to thirteen in the first. They came out strong. They played really well. Um, it's just they've been a second period bugaboo with this team for you know a, a little while now. Um, and again, it, the second period is their undoing. Ryan Johansson scored it right at the start of the second period, 52 seconds in. And then Nick Benino, uh, just about three minutes exactly later at 3.53, scored um, to make it a 2-1 game, and that ended up being the final. Um, I did mention last I have a, week. Actually, I have a quick point. I just thought of okay. it. It's something I don't think we either one of us have really talked about the whole year. And I'm just going to throw this out at you. Now, we always talk about the team that won the Cup, right? Get climbing Mount Everest, coming back the next year, being able to, 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 to start from scratch to climb the mountain. And I don't think we focus enough on the, the other team that was in the finals because they, even though they didn't win, they played the basically the same amount of games and had the same uh, mountain climbing as the team that won the Stanley Cup finals. This The fact that the Knights have had, you know, bouts of inconsistency, bouts of having periods where uh, we didn't show up enough or things of that nature. Uh, you know, I mean, it would stand to reason. You know, most of the team is, uh, you know, the majority of the team are the guys from last year. Um, you know, I would have to think that's got to be partially in play here, don't you think? Um, I don't know. I think we're far enough into the season that maybe last year is is behind them early in the season when they got off to the nine 9-11-2 start or whatever it was. I think maybe there right. was that Stanley Cup hangover, but I think they've. But more the incons- so the, from in- a fatigue, you know, from the physical toll, you know. No. Um. Maybe. Maybe I. I, I'm, I don't mean I don't every game, that, obviously, but I mean you know sometimes, you know, the tanks will you know a little less. Uh, I mean, just something, just something to throw out there because if they they you know it's something that they, if for, for the most part they didn't have last year. And this year they've had these bouts of, uh, you know, uh, games or periods in games where, uh, where is the team? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do. And and it kind of leads into where I was going to go. And last last week I mentioned that when they were on their seven-game winning streak, they were playing teams that had a 42% win percentage. And I was concerned that I – mean, I thought this would be a benchmarks week for the team with uh, – Pittsburgh, Minnesota, and Nashville coming in, and I said two out of three was the minimum, and they they didn't they didn't get that. One one out of three. Um, so I, I think it, it it may speak to how how good this team is going to be in the long run. I think we haven't seen them healthy yet. So, but we were talking about that in our trade trade deadline analysis last week. So let's let's see him healthy and let's see the lineup when it's set. But 
you know, you, you beat the teams you're supposed to beat is always what you're supposed to do. You're, you beat the teams in your division. Uh, the majority it's obvious separation between the, the top three and the bottom four. So, um, and then you, you, you have tough competition and you, you play a good game against Nashville. can't find a way to win. You coach questions your effort against Minnesota. Can't find a way to win. You, I see why they show up against Pittsburgh because you have the flurry connection and, and the team, you know, came out big and, and we're really fortunate. In a lot of the shots that they, you know, made it in that, that sometimes, you know, I'm sure that you want a few of those goals back when you, when you give up a seven spot. So I, I see where the energy came from in the Pittsburgh game. Don't know why it wasn't there in the Minnesota game. Um, they came back and played a good game against Nashville, but couldn't find a way to win. Uh, following a Just out seven of curiosity, game, yeah. What were they in Nashville? I meant to look this up. It was just a hectic week. What What were they in the Nashville game on the power play? What was uh, What did they go? Um, I believe they're still on a one and thirty one streak, and VGK wow. was zero for five on the power play in that game. Yeah. and that's well, that's got to get that. fixed. Yes, we did. That's got yeah. to get fixed. There was a five on three they didn't score on, and oh, that that went to so uh, old. yeah, yeah. And then, you know, in the end of the second period of that game, we had the the incident, if you will. Uh, oh yeah, Pierre, Pierre well, Edward Belmar was field, but uh, yeah. But, <laughs> um, I I don't know what happened. Right, it's hard. It's hard to tell. You can see Belmar's on the ice on his hands and knees, and you can see for whatever reason, uh, PK Subban reaches down and tries to rip him up by his face, and then pulls his hand away. Uh, I, I was he bit me. He bit me. Whatever. Um, I don't know. You, if you reach down and, well, and we you try Belmar, and rip someone we, we up, have, we have Belmar's version. We have Subban's version, and then there's the truth. So the street it's, it's somewhere in the middle, right? But, but yeah. you, you can see that Subban does reach down and try and grab Belmar in the face and and rip him away from from being on the ground. Um, so is it, did his finger get stuck in his mouth? Did he bite down on it? Um, I don't think we'll ever know. But it, it, I thought that we were going to have a much more interesting third period than what it turned out to be. Um, Maybe because it was such a close game, there wasn't really any fireworks after that. But I, I thought it was going to get ready to get pretty interesting. Um, there was four penalties called in the third period, three of them against Nashville, one against VGK, but nothing as far as roughing or, or fighting or anything like that. I thought it was going to be a little more interesting um, there in the third period, but maybe because it was a closer game, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah. I think there'll be time. <laughs> if you know, I think there'll be time for that next season. You know, they have one more game against each next? other this oh, season, okay. February sixteenth in oh, Vegas. So uh, we'll see if there's any any repercussions from that. Um, if I'm if I'm Coach Laviolette, I gotta put uh, I gotta put Soros back in that right. <laughs> he's been I would think he's so. been money so far, right? Yeah, I would think I would definitely think so based on uh based on his performance uh uh against the Knights these last couple uh, couple of years. 
And the the, the first game this year, he uh, Soros beat the Knights four one with VGK only managing twenty four shots on goal. So um, career wise, Soros got to be the play, I would think. Um, anyway, I'm kind of concerned minus, that we had a, this we had a this minus team trade is as well. This team, what's that? We had a minor trade as well with the Knights. Yeah, yeah, Brad Hunt goes to Minnesota yeah. right after the Minnesota game. Um, I, li- I always like Brad Hunt's game. Uh, he's been a great guy uh, as far as community, uh, unanimously liked in the locker room. Um, being an eighth defenseman on the roster kind of limits what you're going to do. I kind of – this is just personal opinion, but I kind of like his game better than Merrill's game at, at points. I think uh, Brad Hunt has a little bit more upside on his offensive game than Merrill does. Merrill may be a little bit more stable defensively, but either way he goes to Minnesota for a conditional fifth. They have, I'm not sure whose fifth round pick they also have in addition to their own, but whichever is higher will be uh, what the Knights get out of it. So that's what we were talking about, the kind of roster move where they were going to have to get rid of a piece for a later round pick and getting a fifth round pick for an eighth defenseman uh, hopefully he'll be able to get in and stay in the lineup there in Minnesota. Um, I think he'll kind of fit in with what they like to do as well. Good luck to Brad Hunt. He's nothing but a gentleman and a professional while he was here. Um, just a roster's crunch. Uh, he, he, they want to keep Peary up. And, Solid and, third-pairing guy. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and interesting to note, the Knights, obviously everyone's on the All-Star break, uh, they get back in action on Friday, February 1st, and it starts their longest remaining road trip of the season, a four-gamer. Uh, Friday, uh, Next Friday, February 1st, Carolina. Saturday the 2nd at Florida. And then you have the following Tuesday at Tampa. So they got, a couple, they got two days off in between, get ready for Tampa. And then Thursday at Detroit. And then they come home for a big stretch of games at home. They got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Eight of, uh, eight of nine uh, of the next nine are at home. Yes, sir. Uh, and in fact, That's where uh, they're going to have to make their hay. In fact, ten of the next 12 are at home after the four-game uh, four trip. Yeah, that's where they're going to have to. Who? Eight of ten? I'd say, and I think if you look at who they're uh, playing, eight of, nine, Carolina... eight of nine, and then uh, and then uh, ten of twelve. Yeah, they're going to have to get they're going to have to get nine of those as as regulation victories, I think, um, to get if you want to have any chance of catching Calgary at least. Right. It's, it's starting right there on the first, you've got Carolina, Florida, Tampa, and Detroit. So just on the face of things, you've got to be eyeballing three out of four coming back out of the break, considering the way you went into the break, um, losing two or three. Um, I, I think, you know, they'll have that, that week. Hopefully there's some power play practice. Um, you got to get off that one for 26 or one for 33 slide or whatever it well, is you, they're on with the power play. Well, you know, it's uh, interesting enough when you mentioned practice. And for most teams, you know, now with the, you know, basically you got, what, all February, all March, and a little bit of April, and believe it or not, the regular season is over. And, you know, most teams have, what, roughly 23, 24, somewhere around there, games left. And I saw an interview with Barry Trotz uh, 
this past week before the Islanders' uh, last game before their break, and people were talking to him about practice, and he's like, look, he goes, we're probably in the same boat as most teams, with the way the schedule is going to be the rest of the way, the amount of games we've had, with the amount of games we've logged, you could probably count on two hands how many true practice days we have left between now and the end of the regular season. Right. Well, that, so, that bye week uh, comes. Guys, pretty much the guys all have this weekend off, but I would expect yeah. them to get in, get back in the in the rink and have some good practices next week on the working on the power play. Well, what's the and what, what's cleaning the rules that up. on that? It, What's the rules on that? Because if they're on their bye week, there's no practice for the CBA, uh, right? No, that's a that's a. You're right. You're right about that. So, yeah, informal no, I thought skates. Say, I, do you, can you do informal skates? Yeah, I'm not sure because I was just wondering about that myself from the standpoint of, you know, the Islanders are going to go basically ten uh, ten days without playing a game, and I'm like, well, can they get to get? Is there a practice the day before? Because that's a long stretch, and uh, it's pretty much the same. Almost everybody in that uh, in that uh, realm, and because their first game back is uh, is against Tampa, so it's like okay, yeah, that's great. You know, you you haven't played in a while, and if they if they're not allowed to have a practice in there, and you come right out of the shoot, uh, and I think Tampa plays the day before, or the day before that, they have one game before to get you know whatever rust that they have off. So um, yeah, I, I usually you know with those with the break, it's a true break, so. And obviously the all-star break is a break. So, yeah, I, I don't know. The point being is there's not a lot of practice time left uh, for a lot of teams. So, I, you know, I don't know the answers on the ninth power play, but I know this. The, 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 as we all know, come the playoffs, goals are much harder to come by. It's much more tight. Uh, you've got to take advantage of the power play opportunities you, you get. You have to. You know, uh, I go back to a couple of years ago when the Islanders played the Capitals. They lost that series uh, because of their power play. I think they went, I think they won like one for fourteen, and they lost the ser- lost the series by one goal. They lost in Game Seven by one goal, and pretty much every game was a one goal game. So, uh, the power play is critical. I mean, I know I'm being Captain Obvious here, but. <laughs> uh, you know, that, but you know, the, the, the Knights are going to have to. Uh, uh, again, no one's saying that they got to be Tampa and and you're getting 30% clip, but it's got to be at least a solid contributing factor. Can't be a weakness. I agree, and especially with the team that the Golden Knights have, and you you just expect them to break out of this power play slump at some point here quickly, and and. Go on, go on, sort of a power play run, if you will, and get four out of ten, five out of ten here um, in the next couple weeks of games. They gotta, they gotta get rid of that funk. Um, and, and sometimes when you're, when you're, when you're struggling on the power play, it, it compounds itself um, because you start thinking about it and this and that, and then maybe getting away from the game for a while and, and coming back after their bye week that they can put that behind them because it is going to be a, a, a major factor, especially if you do wind up playing San Jose in the first round, um, their power play will be a difference maker. It always is. Um, you're going to have to yep. match that power play effort in a series against San Jose um, or that edge in that series is going to go to San Jose. They, their power play um, always towards the top of the league for sure. Um, so in, anyway, so let's the- move on. Um, Go around yep. the league a little bit. Um, 
was so the Edmonton Oilers they fired their coach already, and, and now Shirelli gets gets the axe this week too. So now um, a little bit over halfway through the season, and and they've they've waxed their coach, they've waxed their general manager, and they're three points out of a playoff spot. So um, uh, what, yeah, but that what do you make of that? That says more. That says I think. They're fortunately, three points back of a playoff spot. There's a lot about, no disrespect, uh, all the teams in the West outside of the top three in the Pacific and Nashville and Winnipeg. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it, it's been a long time coming. I mean, he just, you know, off the top of my head, I mean, he he just made three, you know, horrific uh, moves. Obviously, you know, he had these abundance of forwards, right? There's a talented, super-duper young team that had these abundance of forwards, and they needed to round out the roster so they can play, play complete hockey. So he had these, you know, he obviously McDavid wasn't going anywhere, but it's like, okay, so how can I, how can I formulate this puzzle? So he takes Kayla Hall and he trades him, which I'm not saying uh, is the ultimate sin, but to trade him for Adam Lawson, who's a nice player, and that's it. And like again, this is when you, this is when you are in salary cap hell or worried about your salary cap. It pushes you to make bad decisions. There is no doubt at the time of the trade, one of the most appealing things about Adam Lawson was, who at the time of the trade, I want to say it was like 24 years of age, which was appealing. Was like, oh, 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 you know, he's he just signed a new deal. He's locked up for the next five years. That just four million dollar cap number and given that we have to pay McDavid soon and try and settle it, it it allows you to go down instead of saying, wait a minute here, who's this hockey player? What's his where is he at now? What's his upside? What are the odds of getting to that upside? Is this enough of a deal? And clearly that was that was not. Uh then <laughs> turning turning Jordan Eberle into Ryan Strom who never got it going and then, and, I mean, just not using asset. We talked about this tonight in a different way, but asset ma- management. Training Jordan Eberle and basically in a short period of time getting zipped for him. And in fact, the, the last player it turned into, Ryan Spooner, was waived and now is in, is in the minors. And then, of course, then we go to the 2015 draft and trading away the 16th and the 33rd pick uh, with all the players on the board, trading for Griffin Reinhardt, Never, who hardly ever plays for them, uh, and then gets lost in the expansion draft to boot. Not that that was a terrible thing because he hasn't really played a lot for Vegas. Um, ever. And then who's who, yeah, ever? And then who's who's on the board uh, at 16 and is taken by the Islanders in that trade, Matthew Barzell. So I mean, you could say you know, and that trade was consummated at the 16 pick. It wasn't like it was done the day before. Like, well, who knew? That you know, uh, you know, and, and oh, by the way, Kyle O'Connor was still on the board. Brock Besner was still on the board. Travis Konecki was still on the board. This is just off the top of my head. So uh, I'm sure there's a couple other moves, but just off the top of my head. And then on top of that, not being able from your other drafts or your other trades or other kind of free agents. Oh, oh, what about Milan Lucic? That uh, yeah, signings as well. Contract. You just. Yeah. You're just touching on on trades that didn't end up yeah. working out for him. Right. There's been a number yeah, of signings. Yeah. That not um, being the biggest didn't work so out. So basically, so basically structuring this team, uh, he he did a very very poor job. Uh, those four 
I'm sure there's more. Uh, well, Sakura got uh, six million. That was I thought that was an overpayment at the time. Also, a trade oh, that right. the Kings made. The, I mean, it's the yep. same thing. The Kings traded six for Sakura. He wouldn't resign. Kings traded for Lucic. He wouldn't resign. So Edmonton said, "Oh, okay, we'll lock up twelve million dollars for the next six years on two players." Um, I, I, both of those deals are were way overreaches. I thought. Um, and, and Lombardi would not go to that number. What, you know, kudos to Lombardi yeah. for not tying up the Kings already in a cap mess. Yeah. Um, so Shirelli said, okay, thanks. I'll do it. And, and ugh. so you got $12 million tied up on two players. You trade away the Taylor hall where you, you know, you could have given him eight of that 12 and been way better off than where they're at. Uh, I understand wanting to, you know, I know, I know tell all the time wasn't coming off winning uh, the con smite. I get that, but he still had incredible value. And I remember at the time thinking like, that's it. That's all they got for uh Taylor hole. That's the best I could do in this league. I mean, you know, of, of the, uh, uh, at the time, the other 2019, um, yeah, I mean, like I said, he's really done a poor job of, and you know, I look at Edmonton now, and obviously they have the arguably, probably most, you know, probably not arguably, the best player in the league, and for the next number of years, Scott McDavid, Drysaddle is probably what one of the top ten, fifteen players in the league, and that's that's an amazing way to start your franchise. But you look at the rest of the roster, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I don't, I think it's kind of underwhelming, and and they, I don't think they have a strong prospect pipeline either. So, uh, and, and, and they they're almost at the cap limit. Yeah, and they're almost right. at the cap limit. Right. So, I mean, so they 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 don't have the depth of assets to trade to plug some holes. They're not trading McDavid. They're not trading Rysidel, obviously. Um, so where do you go? Where do you go with it? You know, Lucic is untradeable. Sakir is untradeable. Uh, you know, where do you go with this team to to make it work? I mean, they they got to get depth. And uh, they got to get more impact players, if you will. And um, well, what do you think of the Koskinen deal? It's a bit rich, and I don't know why you <laughs> had to do it now. I don't know why. Why? You ha- I mean, yeah. Why do to you beat have the to dead horse? It? Right. Well, to be fair to him, it sounds like this that decision was out of his hand. That was an organizational decision because obviously they're not going to have the GM make that call and the guy gets signed and the same week that ha- that decision happens he gets fired. So I, um, but again, this is a guy. Remember when we had Rob Soria on from the Hockey Writers who covers yeah. the Orioles tremendously, and he said about when Koskinen was in uh, Europe or Russia, escaping me where where he played, but he was a guy who who didn't log like fifty plus games a year. He was a guy who kind of played you know, 30-plus games a year, and he was just wondering, like, can he be a number one from that standpoint? Uh, obviously, he's been he's been decent. I don't think he's been overwhelming. He hasn't been underwhelming. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, I mean, he's probably been a little bit below a 6, uh, give or take, and maybe, you know, the team in front of him, he's, maybe he's really, really been better than that, given how the team in front of him has played. But, you know, 31 years of age... To make that move now, I mean, I get it. They're not going to have the camp space to uh, to trade for a Bobrovsky or to Sasan Bobrovsky, but 
when you want to have your options kind of open, I, I don't think there was any reason to jump into that deal today. If you, you know, wanted to wait to June right. and looked at all your options and, you know, at that point, I mean, I, I just, I don't get it. I, uh, I that's another, it was, a, it was another puzzling move uh, by the Oilers. Maybe, maybe they went back and, and enjoyed the four games you played with the Islanders in 2011, 2012, and yeah. thought that was a good enough sample I size. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, like I said, he's played well at times. Uh, and I'm not saying he's a bad goalie. I mean, I'm not ready to say he's a pure number one. Um, and I get it. They weren't, you know, they're going to choose between well, – I shouldn't even say that. They they had to get a number one goalie. So was it going to be Talbot? Was it going to be Koskinen? Or were they going to let both of those guys go and look outside the organization? I mean, I would I would at this point in time at least kept my options open. And a three-year at $4.5 million a year uh, doesn't entice me. You know, uh, in, in terms of pulling the oh, we got to pull the trigger now. That's a great deal for us, right? From the cap standpoint, but let's you know, let's do it. I I, I don't get that at all. No, I agree. I agree. Oh, excuse me. So I, they're, they're a mess. They really are. Uh, they, I mean, they're lucky they have McDavid because uh, he can he can he can cure a lot of wounds, but and, and dry sidle. But I mean to have. Two talents like that, and basically be a 500 team, and you know a, deep, a pretty good division. It's not like it's a killer division, and just to be a 500, to be a NHL 500 team, quote unquote, air quotes with the uh, overtime uh, loss, cold shenanigans. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, that's I, that's sinful. Hey, I said in our in our Pacific Division preview that Connor McDavid was going to drag this team into the playoffs. They're only three points out of a playoff spot right now. I know they have some teams to climb over to get there, but I mean, let's face it—they're not juggernauts. They're battling for the wild card in the West. Yeah, so but, I'm gonna I'm gonna are, stick with it. I, I, I'm not coming are, off it. <laughs> aren't there aren't there like eight teams who can make the same statement like within two points? Sure, there two are points of a. Yeah, you know, and you know, uh, the, yes, rest, sir. Uh, the, the rest of the field doesn't look very, uh, uh, you know, intimidating. I mean, uh, yeah. I tell you, let's say I mean, Dallas, Colorado, Vancouver, Anaheim, Arizona, St. Louis, then Edmonton, um, then Chicago and LA. Um, so they're all fighting for those last two spots within three points of each other. Um, so. We'll see. I, I said drag them into the playoffs, and he's going to have to do just that. He's already got 73 points on the year, so... Um, and they're, it, and they obviously, have the record that they do. Yeah, obviously Connor's doing his part, but um, he might need a bigger sled. <laughs> anyway, let me welcome in Russ Cohen, owner and founder of Sportsology on the SoundCloud page, good enough to host our show whenever I can send it over to him. Uh, Russ, welcome <laughs> to the show, sir. Thank you for coming in, buddy. How you doing, guys? Oh, we're doing good. We're doing good. Um, I'm going to let Chris go ahead and kick off this part of the interview with you. He he has a couple of good questions he wanted to get to, and then I'll follow up with that, Chris. Okay. I, I, actually, you want to jump in those flyers, but i got to ask this from a personal standpoint. Russ, I, I have mm-hmm. my blue and orange sunglasses off. I am shocked. I thought they could be, best case scenario, the Islanders, a competitive team, team that – 
you know, brings it every night, maybe scrounge out 80, 82 points, maybe be at the periphery of a playoff race in March. Uh, how sh- how shocked are you about the season that they're having? Yeah, I'm 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 shocked, but I I, I have to believe down deep the Islanders are too. They I don't think they had any way of knowing that Robin Leonard was going to sort of beat oh, his no. demons, go public with that, and become the goalie we all thought he could a lot of years ago. So, to me, that's that's one big development. The other big development is Barry Trotz and the defense he's been able to employ, and he has broken things down into zones and, and what's a high-percentage shot, what's a low-percentage shot. All the guys have bought in, and have done very well with that. So that's that's another aspect of it. I mean, they still aren't a great offensive team, and they still uh, win a lot of close games from what at least I think. I haven't looked at the hard numbers for that. Now, I'm, I'm starting to see articles that would worry me if I were an Islander fan, like, hey, they beat the dog days of you know the season here. Nobody knows how to beat the dog days of the season because it's going to get tougher for them coming up. I don't think they're an absolute lock, but it does look like they are going to make it if they can just – play close to what they played in the first half. All that said, you know, we've seen weirder things in the NHL, but right now this is great. I, I don't want to say that they're a cup contender because I don't believe they are, and I'm not even sure they're anything more than a first-round-and-out contender yet. No, I hear you, but I, I, I never expected the level of play we've seen. Now, conversely, if they are the best, good The surprise, boring level uh, of play. We should say that, too, because a lot of times those games are boring. Sometimes, yeah. But I'll take this year's boring 3 nothing wins I know. versus last I know. year's exciting 7-5 losses. Um, but the converse, converse of the Islanders being the biggest, let's say, good surprise, the converse of that is, I, I'd have to say, is the Flyers – being uh, the biggest bad surprise in the league. What yeah. has gone wrong with the Flyers this year? Uh, what's gone wrong? A lot of different things, but the first part was the offense just never got on track on the power play. The penalty kill was horrible to start the season. The goaltending was horrible to start the season, and then they, they started to have injuries. That didn't help because they had two injury-prone goalies, so then that became a a turnstile, and then they just never got on track. I don't know if they ever would have got on track, but I thought on paper they looked good. Uh, but, you know, James Van Riemsdyk is one of these players that on a really good team is a nice piece to have because he makes power play better. He he plays around the net, but he's also a guy that needs to, to be fed. And when the team's not that good, he doesn't create much. Now, in this last little mini winning streak, he has created more, but that's after Scott Gordon called him out. So I, I really don't know all the reasons. I don't think anybody does there or, you know, I think things would be different. Ron Hextall will probably still be working there as an example. But Chuck Fletcher's got a very difficult job. There's no question about that. I kind of – this is a wait-and-see team because I don't know if there's an easy way out for them. I know fans are probably hoping that, well, we can just, you know, do X and Y and Z, and we'll turn it around next year. I, You know, that's the hope, but other players have to go back to form, too, and you don't even know who the coach is going to be because I don't think it'll be Scott Gordon. So there's, there's a lot up in the air there. Before I hand you over to Mark, what do the Flyers do with Wayne Simmons? Do they, do they, do they sign him to a long-term deal? 
Do they you know, obviously if they can't, they're going to move them. Uh, what reading, trying to read the tea leaves. Where do we stand with Wayne Simmons? And how good of a return if they do decide to trade him? Do you think they can get in, get for him? I mean, he's got to get traded. I they 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 took another kick at the can to to keep him, but I I don't think he'll take anything under five years or or four and an option for a fit. Well, they can't do an option, but four and you know at least. And I don't even think the Flyers are willing to give him four. You know, he's still a good player. He's not the goal scorer he was on this team. You put him on a really good team, and he still can do it because he can clean up garbage and play in the crease and, and, and create a little bit around the net. But his skating is, is suffering a little bit. And so I, I look at it and I say, mm, what you could get is a conditional first. Like if you were to trade him to a Toronto, you can get a conditional first. You could get a player like maybe Andreas Janssen. And if you really squeak something out of him, maybe just a real low-level prospect. But I, I don't think you can get any more than that. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you put Mark, him on Toronto, he, he can get a lot of right. a lot of points for them, as an example. I would, think, I would think Boston would be a good fit for him, too, no? I mean, it's a good fit. I don't <laughs> – I, I would be shocked if they trade him to Boston – with with Bob Clark and Paul Holmgren in the mix here, at least as advisors. You know, Holmgren is a president, but he has a little more power than the normal president. I would be shocked if that happened. So I, even though you see these, hey, let's just trade with Boston, you know, Chris, that's like saying, well, why don't the Islanders just trade with the Rangers? Uh, real quick, <laughs> we, we, we've talked about it on this show. Do you think Simmons would be a good fit for Vegas? No. No, they're too okay. fast a skating team. I don't think that's a good fit at all. Boston's got a few lines that are a little bit slower than than some of their speed lines, and I think that works. Vegas doesn't really have a, a slow line. And I'm not saying Simmons is slow, but I'm saying he if he's over NHL average, that's all he is. All right, well, I wanted to when – I, when I broke down this team, I thought that – Philly was going to take a step this year. I thought with being, I believe, 98 points last season, two points behind Pittsburgh, um, I thought they would, with JVR, I thought he would come in and, and bring, you know, more even more depth than that forward core already had. I thought he would yep. be 20 to 25 goals. I thought he'd be a 50-point player. And I, I looked at the defense, and you have good young talent on the on the blue line with Gostaspir and Provorov. And then – you know, good defensive depth, and I, I thought goaltending would would probably be the difference. Um, I looked down this morning. I wanted to ask real quick. Carter Hart is not on the roster anymore. No, he's just sent down temporarily, just while they're uh, while During they're the bye week away or for the break, just getting right. you know reps and everything else. That's all that is. Okay, we, you could make the case that the Flyers' top nine is probably top to bottom as talented as any forward group in the National Hockey League. But I'm, I'm going down the list, Couturier, Garou, Konechny, Nolan Patrick, number two overall pick, Simmons, JVR came in, Voracek. Um, I, I don't know if we can put all that on on the goalie this year. Is, is there uh, something and I don't know, chemistry-wise or identity-wise that they're not buying in with the coach? that's making this team less than the sum of its parts. Yes. I mean, 
Provorov's not having a good year. Gostaspir's not having a good year. It took Couturier a little while to get going. Giroux is having a good year. Patrick's not having a good year. I mean, just most guys aren't having a good year. So if you're going to base this on reputation, yeah, sure. It, it should be a really good top nine, but it just isn't. It's just as a team, it's not. And and that's it doesn't matter this, you know, what the parts are. All together, it doesn't work. And so that's that's the biggest the biggest problem here, and that's where you have to look at it and say, all right, look, I get it. Maybe in other places too, they'll they'll rebound, but you can't you can't just go by by reputation because most guys aren't pulling their weight. And we were talking about Edmonton earlier, and it was kind of the same thing a few years back when they had all these number one overall picks, and it just didn't work, <coughs> and. It, it, I hope that doesn't end up being the case with Philly because they're, you know, on most nights they're at least competitive and they're a fun team to watch. Um, they yeah. they seem to have a lot of good team speed and they they seem to have a lot of, of skill in that top nine. Um, we 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 don't want to see the Flyers go that direction. We've seen enough now of Carter Hart. Um, we I know I know that the organization really wanted to wait and and let him do a little more seasoning, but they, he has been brought up. What's your first impression of Carter Hart, and is is he what we all hoped he was going to be? Yeah, I, so far he is. It, it is a small sample size. He's got a great save percentage right now, but he you know hasn't faced everybody like multiple times. He did just get his first road win in Montreal, so. You know, things have gone fairly well, and I think the team has, you know, broken their back to sort of play their best in front of them. But even then, the defense in front of them hasn't been fantastic. So he's he, he's really done well. I, I just don't want to see him have, like, 50 starts this year, like play a lot of games in a row because they think they can try and make a run, make the playoffs. I don't think that's good for him. He's only 20. You don't I know agree. where a breaking down point will be physically – we all agree, yeah, he's mentally, yeah, he's got this handled. But, you know, once things start going wrong physically, you don't know. Like, we saw that happen with Mackenzie Blackwood uh, with the Devils already. So that's the worry. I, At some point, Michael Neuberth will be back. At some point, Brian Elliott will be back. Anthony Stellars is already back. So they're going to have to rotate a few of these guys through just to get some draft picks for them. And I think when they do that, send them down, let them win with Lehigh, and – that's what Carey Price did. And then next year, let him come back. And if he wins the job, great. Make sure you have a really good tandem, and it should be a tandem. He shouldn't be the number one. And, you know, if that's Cam Talbot, great. Somebody like that. That's really what they could use because Talbot, you know, doesn't have an injury history. They just need a goalie that who the other goalie is that's, that's physically fit. Now look, any goalie could have an injury. Obviously Gibson has got banged up the last few years and a lot of good ones do, but they're, some of their guys have been a lot more than, than the average. Yeah, for sure. Well, real quick, I know we're short on time and we got to let you go. we got only got a couple minutes left. Should we be okay. looking for the Flyers to be overly active with, uh, like you said, Gordon? Gordon's going to be a uh, hot seat. Are, are we looking for them to be super active, trying to build some pieces for the future at the trade do, deadline? Go ahead. Yes. I, I do think they'll be super active. I don't know if they're going to be trying to get draft picks. I think they're going to be trying to pull off, like, four-player deals, that kind wow. of thing, you know, two for two. I, I think that's what 
what they're going to be looking at. And I think that's why it's been hard for for Chuck Fletcher to, to gain some traction here and really get much done in the early going. So that's what I think they're looking for because, you know, everybody – the, the message always is, whether it's Bob Nicholson or, or Chuck Fletcher, we want to keep our young assets. We don't want to trade any of them, but we think we have a good team and we want to get better. Well, in the NHL, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> it's one or the other. Unless you really right. get lucky and you can pick up Connor McDavid for nothing in a trade, it doesn't really work that way. So it's nice to say in a press conference, but to actually do it is near impossible. So – if they if the Flyers are able to do it, they're probably going to have to deal some young talent, whether it's prospects or guys that are at the NHL level that haven't played too long, like a Robert Hag or a Travis Sanheim. That's those are the guys that have currency because they don't cost much. They're under team control, and so that's the goal that they have. If they truly think they could, you know, be a playoff team next year, they're going to have to trade some of that. Like that's just what I would. Flyers fans to have to deal with. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Real quick, uh, standouts, and I know you got to see a lot of it from the World Juniors. Um, go, going into next year's draft, who was who was Riser? I know Capo. Uh, I'm a butcher's name. Capo Capo is Capo Yeah, he's he's one of the uh, risers for sure. I mean, he showed a great offensive uh, talent. He could go up the ice. Uh, Vasily Podkolzin, another one for the uh, Russian player, could go anywhere from like three to seven. He didn't get to show off as much of his offense, but he showed some real good puck possession and, and some overall feistiness. Broberg for the Swedes, probably in the top 10 or 15. He's another guy that, that has shown some really good puck movement and really good speed. So I those are... Those are some of the ones. There weren't a load of them that are going to have major talent from the World Juniors. Obviously, you know, there were more guys in the top prospects game because that's, they're all closer. You know, these days in the World Juniors, they're letting you play. You know, like Alex Lafreniere, probably the number one pick next year, he didn't have that much of an impact because they didn't really let him have much of an impact. And unfortunately, that's that's part of what, what happens here with, with these younger players. And look, Jack Hughes, some people, you know, didn't think he did well in that tournament. He still was a point of game and he played injured. So I don't know what people were looking right. for there, but uh, I was fine with his play. I, w- I was as well as unfortunately. I, I, I believe he missed three games with the injury and yeah. his, his first game back, I thought was a phenomenal game. I believe that was, yeah, and he was only the... really playing power play. He wasn't really doing much else. Right. And to be right. honest, if it wasn't the World Juniors, he wouldn't have uh, he wouldn't have played like they he he would have you know missed games with the NTDP, but because it was for that, he was like, all right, look, you know, I I get it, I'm playing, it's that important, and yeah, he was, but you know, people had this unrealistic expectation, I believe, of him, and it's just like I don't know, what did you think he was going to go two points a game? I just yeah, don't know. And I, then, of course, you got these worries like, oh, now he's going to get hurt. By, by the way, I didn't say, but Broberg is a uh, six foot three defenseman, so he's he's got some currency. All right, all right. Well, I know we're short on time, and I'm going to let you go. Thank you, Russ, uh, for coming Thanks, on. Mark. Follow, Thanks, Chris. 
You got it, buddy. Follow Russ on Twitter at Sportsology or go to his SoundCloud page, Sportsology, for a lot of great hockey content. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk to you uh, as we get close to the draft here towards the end of the season, Russ. We sure. want to get your insights on that. You're one of the better guys online uh, for evaluating all the junior talent. We always appreciate your in- input on that, sir. So it was, it was great to talk to you again, buddy. Yep. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. See you guys. All right. Thanks, Russ. All right, Russ Cohen from uh, our, our one of our hosts, and, and he he's good enough, like I said, to pick our show up whenever I can get it sent over to him. A lot of times it's my fault, not his. If you're looking for us on the Sportsology page and, and we're not there, it's because I failed in my duties, not anything to do with Russ. Russ is the man. Um, he always gets our stuff up and everybody else's as, as quick as he can. So uh, always good talking to Russ. Chris, your thoughts? Yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see. It sounds like, uh, based on that, I mean, I thought there was a chance that maybe the Flyers would sign Simmons. Russ is very in tuned to them. So that sounds like, um, yeah, he he's going to be uh, definitely a guy to be moved. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to take a look at the roster and, and see uh, what else they can do in terms of a hockey tr- – in terms of, you know, they're probably going to be looking to make a hockey trade. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see if there's a window open for them to do that now. Um, but yeah, it's like I said, it's been, it's been a very, very disappointing season for them, uh, to say the least. They seem to have been trending in the right direction. And I, the one thing I would give my two cents on the Flyers is they've been a patient organization these last few years and, and really building the team. And, and quite frankly, I think each season they've been a little bit ahead of schedule. This is the first season I could think of, of kind of taking two steps back, but, you know, don't, don't overreact the other way at the same time. Don't, you know, last few years you had a plan, you really built something, you got a lot of young talent, got a lot of pieces here, they're not that far away, but don't like, well, we got to win now, so we can't wait anymore on a young goaltender like Carter Hart or we, you know, uh, you know, Nolan Patrick's uh, been okay this year. He hasn't been what we thought. You know, let's see if we can trade him for some now players. You know, those kind of things. Right. Of, uh, being smart, stay the course, um, things of that nature. So that would be my thoughts on the Flyers. Yeah, disappointing for me for sure. Um, and and as Russ was saying, they might be looking to do a two-for-two, two-for-three two type deal where – and I mean that top nine should be just killing it in in my opinion. If there's if there's pieces, I'm sure within within the team and and the organization they know which pieces aren't fitting. Um, and, I, and I'm not going to put any names out there. I have no idea. But if they're going to be looking to be that active and do those kinds of things, then I, I think people might be surprised come the deadline at who is available on the Flyers. Everybody's been throwing Wayne Simmons around for most of the season, but if if what Russ is saying bears fruit, then there might be uh, some surprises coming out of Philly, Philly at the trade deadline. Maybe we'll have to talk with uh, Lyle Richardson about the Flyers and what he hears them doing uh, when he's on the show. Yeah, he's on next week, so uh, so that'll be, be good, that'll be, uh, be a good, good get get good uh, insight from him. Uh, all right, well, let's jump on the OT section, Chris. We got two two teams that need to go all in here at the trade deadline. Since you know we're at the we're at the All Star game, we're at you know basically fifty two fifty games played across the board. So 30, 30, 28, 30 games left in the season. Um, who 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 do you got that's going all in 
at the trade deadline. Well, who I think should go all in is the Nashville Predators. And, look, two years ago, they got to the Stanley Cup final, came within a couple of games of winning it all. If they didn't get depleted at the towards the end of that run at center, who knows? But that's how the cookie crumbles. Uh, last year had a big regular season, one of the top uh, – I, I, they might have had the best record in the league in the regular season – uh, lost a, a tough series to Winnipeg in round two. Well, they got a banner. Seven. <laughs> they they, they, oh, they right. hung a banner. Regular season yeah. Western Conference champion. Oh, is that okay? So there you go. Um, so, so they are in the conversation, obviously, for winning the Stanley Cup. But to win, for them to beat Winnipeg, I think currently constituted. I think they can beat. I think they're on equal footing at least, if not a bit, a little bit of a favorite against any of the top three teams of the Pacific. I think to beat Winnipeg, they're. I believe they're going to need another scorer. I know. I feel very strongly that if they were to get to the Cup final, currently constituted, and play Tampa, they would have to have another scorer to beat to beat Tampa. I know their bread and butter playing team defense, their blue line. Uh, Saros has really took a big step forward this year, so they have two really strong two strong goalies. They have depth. They do have people who can put the puck in the net. I get all that. But to beat these top echelon teams, they're going to need another impactful piece. And they have the ammunition to make the trade, uh, to make such a trade happen between now and the deadline. Uh, obviously, they can give up their first-round pick, which – uh, again, not to poo-poo their first-round pick, but it's going to be a pick in the 20s. Not not that you can't find good players in the 20s. We've talked about this. Uh, we've given examples. Konecki, 24. Uh, Bessner, 22. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Um, so there, there, are, there are plenty of examples of that. But it's not like having the fourth overall pick as an example. And they have a kid that they drafted a couple of years ago in the first round, and Dante Fabaro, who... I don't know how he breaks this lineup. Um, uh, he, he's a, a kid with size and skill. Uh, he would be uh, very – I'm sure he, on the sellers of the league, he is very high on a lot of those teams' wish lists. And to me, uh, they could literally get anyone they would want if they package those two, two, two things together. They may not have to package both of those things together. It might be – a first and their second best prospect, or Fabrio and a second round pick. But I think so. This team is at a time and place. They have the window uh, to win the cup, and we're talking about dealing from depth here. So with those chips in hand, uh, I think they have to go all in. And uh, between now and the Feb 25th trade deadline, and if that guy's Mark Stone or if that guy, whoever they deem uh, that player to be. Uh, they have to go all in and and, and make that uh, and make that happen. Okay, well, I'm going to go with the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I'm not going. I'm not going to go with the. They need to go all in to make a run. I'm oh, going okay. to go with. They need to go all in as a seller, and it. I I believe that in this day and age, when you have assets like a two-time Vezina Trophy winner, and our Timmy Panarin, you cannot let them walk for nothing. I've said that on the show before, and for me, I 
don't think this team, again, they've never won a first-round series. They have a good team this year. But I don't see this being the year. I mean, right now they're in the three spot. they got to play Washington. Who's going to be the favorite? Last year they were up 2 nothing in Washington. They go home and lose four straight. This year right now, Washington has home ice. I don't think that they're a you know a good enough team to beat Washington with Bobrovsky and Panarin. If things flip-flop because Pittsburgh's only one point behind Columbus and two points behind Washington, uh, the Islanders have opened up a three-point lead in the division, by the way. Um, the only, the, I will say the only team there that appears to me to be in contention for the 2-3 spot that I would favor Columbus against would be the New York Islanders. Uh, shame on me, bite my tongue, uh, blue and orange. But as as far as no, I, I them, them getting out of the first round with Bobrovsky and Panarin, I don't see this team being that juggernaut. Look, if they had 70 points and they were really showing that they were a team to be reckoned with in the playoffs, then maybe you hold on to them. I just think that when you have the assets that they do that are expiring and you, and you went through the John Tavares thing and there's plenty of examples out there where, where teams are getting nothing for something, they could set themselves up for the future to be a team that can get out of the first round. If you play your cards right and, and move those players for the pieces that I think they can get for them, you got to be able to get a, you know, between the two of them, I think if you, if, a first, three seconds and a third, maybe two firsts and a third, and a couple of prospects, I would think, um, assuming that the team can sign, you know, you know how that works. Um, on a rental basis, I don't know, but if they can work out some sort of a, a handshake agreement or whatever, a collusion, I know. Um, but you, you know what I'm saying. If, if you could get some kind of a behind-the-scenes uh, indication from the agent that they'd be willing to, to sign some sort of a deal. And if you could get a couple first and a third or a first three seconds and a third and some, some D prospects or another scoring forward prospect, um, I think long-term for the health of the franchise, you have to do those deals. If, and you've made the point that if they think they can make a, a run at the Stanley cup, then you keep them and you roll your dice. And if it works, it's the same thing that golden Knights did with James Neal and David Braun last year, they believed in that club. They were second or third or first in overall in the national hockey league for the last three or four months of the season. That was a team that was riding high management believed in them. And they said, you know what, let's just go forward. Uh, if, if, if we, we, we can't come to a terms with them, this is the the gamble that we're willing to take, as and they did. They made a run to the Stanley Cup final, and had a, had you know they go up one nothing at home, um, and then we know what happens from there. But I don't think Columbus is that team, and for that reason, I think they need to be sellers at the deadline. Uh, I can understand you're speaking with your brain clearly. <laughs> um, Sorry about that. Uh, no, no, that makes total <laughs> sense. Uh, I think from a Bobrovsky standpoint, because they could always trade for a Cam Talbot, uh, you know, wouldn't cost a lot. You know, like they could flip Bobrovsky to someone, I still don't know who that team is, but let's just for argument's sake, and, and get some futures for him. St. Louis. Uh, and maybe that, yeah, maybe St. Louis are, yeah, although I don't know how protective they're going to be of their futures given where they're at, but 
be that as it may, whoever, whoever you want to pick, there'll, there'll, be, there'll be a team or two that will crop up uh, showing some interest, and you can get you can get uh, some futures, some good futures for him. And then maybe you trade a mid-round pick to get a Talbot. So you have Corpusaro and, and you have Talbot, and you still, you know, you could still have two good goalies. And let's be frank, Barbrowski, it's not like he's been a, a savior in the playoffs for them. Uh, the well, and he's, he's had it, problems so. recently this year in the room. Right, exactly. So I get all that, and it can all work from both in the room standpoint and from the fan standpoint. Um, Panarin, on the other hand, now if they were able to get just a, a unbelievable futures deal for him, I think you could sell the fan base on that. I don't. How do you? How do you sell the? Can you room get the on? Ryan O'Reilly deal? Um, I would think so, I would think so, right? Because that's enough. The Ryan O'Reilly deal was Tage Thompson, who was a good player, a good young player. Yep. Uh, they gave him a first, which was yep. conditional, uh, yep. top ten protected. Uh, there was a couple other, you know, maybe like a second in there, or and then they got so, Berglund and one other player. Um, right, they got a couple of veterans. Couple in that depth deal. depth veterans. Uh, that would be enough for me if I'm Columbus. You could turn a first, um, Tage Thompson, who looks like he's going to be a, a serviceable two three center, um, and what, a couple but, uh, depth what players. Impact, are you, would you worry about the impact that it would have on your room, not just for this year, the rest of this year, but moving forward after this year? Does that concern you at all? No, because, um, you know, the players know it's a business. They know that he's not signed. They also know that he said he wants to go play in a bigger market publicly. So for the the, the team, um, if they get the, the – let's say the Ryan O'Reilly package, which I think is, is some some sort of a starting point on Panarin, um, if you get a first and a, and a good prospect and a couple other pieces and maybe a third, I think that's a great starting point. And you tell the fans that, you know, we weren't going to go through the John Tavares saga here in Columbus. We needed to to create, you know, a solid picture for our future. And we think that the pieces we got are going to make us a better team long-term. And, and you make that deal. I, I think, I don't think there's any problem in the room. I don't think, look, if you're a guy on a club and you're an unrestricted free agent and you've already made the statement publicly that you want to go play in a, in a bigger market and, and a more hockey friendly market. And he said that, um, I think most of the players in the room probably expect him to get moved. I don't think you're, you're, uh, sacrificing this season, um, in your player's eyes. I think they, they understand that part of the business. And if you can get a, a, a nice piece that can fit in on the roster this year, um, and, and a first and a third and, and another depth player, then I, I think the players completely understand that. Yeah, no, I mean, um, they're in a real tough position, let's be honest. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Got to sell it. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, not uh, – I've said, I've said this before. I feel like they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Uh, they're, you know, but that's why they get paid the big bucks and, and – um, uh, you know, if you start reading, a lot, you know, I think we're going to know where they're at over the next couple of weeks because if I we agree. get to, let's say, I, I find it hard to believe 
that it's going to be radio silence, like you don't hear anything about them moving Panarin, and then they then they flip the switch and 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 trade him. You know what I mean? Like I think you're going to yeah. start in this day and age. You're going to start the you know from Lyle Rich the rumbling hockey to so yeah you're going to start hearing uh, you know they're going to make one last big pitch. Um, I think they're willing to pay him. I don't think that's the problem. I think it's I agree getting him. Getting him to ink on the contract, and maybe by the fact that they have the eighth year deal, eighth year that they can offer, although I don't think so because because um, uh, I don't think they've really. I, I think he's been respectful and professional. Sure. Uh, but I, but in fairness to him, though, too, I think he's also been honest with them. I don't think he's led them astray. So yeah, no, that's an, that's a. Like I said, it's going to be a fascinating thing to see how that plays out. All and right, there'll we'll be a lot of teams. Week, so, so, oh, and and to tie the two together, that's the player that Nashville should go all in for. There you go. And say a couple defensemen and Nashville's you, first. I'll give you Fabro. I'll give you Fabro. I'll give you our one, and I'll give you either another prospect or, let's say in 2020, I'll give you you know a two. A first, a conditional second, and Fabro and for Panarin. Fabro. Yeah. Done. Yeah. <laughs> Done. That's, a, that's sign that's the paper. The team that should he would be that to add that piece of the puzzle on that team. Um, yeah, uh, that's the uh, that's the team. You know, you that would be the team to to, to do it. Make so, the deal. Um, I'm in. Next next week we got Lyle Richardson of Spectres Hockey, so we're gonna we're gonna try to hit as many scenarios that we know of, and hopefully he can clue us in on some of the things we don't know of. Um, a lot, a lot of stuff going on out there in terms of. Uh, it sounds like it's going to be a pretty active trade deadline, and and unlike la- other trade deadlines in recent memory, it seems like it's been a lot of, you know, role players. Maybe there's a second liner, you know, maybe a Rick Nash kind of guy. Uh, um, although we did have Ryan McDonough last year, uh, that was a big trade. But um, you know, I mean, you, you know, the Ottawa situation, the Carolina situation. Uh, you mentioned uh, Panarin, Wayne Simmons, the King situation. I mean, there's like a lot of a lot of uh, pieces in play, if if you will, uh, and some with some significant players. Um, so uh, we'll break it all down with Lyle next week. So uh, everyone's gonna have to come in, come back, and uh, check that out. I want Ham Hughes too. You got to get me Ham Hughes. Who? Who? Ham Hughes, defenseman. Dan Ham Hughes. Yep. The guy who's been around forever. Yep. You got to throw him in to fill oh. out my blue line depth for the rest of the season. All right, that's you know not a problem. I, I would think say I Roman Yossi, but that's probably too much of an ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's like a, that's like. But a, yeah, you got you got to give me a little depth defenseman there. I'll take Dan Ham Hughes for that. He's thirty six. He can uh, he can shore up uh, the stay at home blue line there in Columbia. Give me him. We're done. Yeah, no, I think I think if if they went that route, that would be for me. That would be the perfect team. And they have right. the assets to make Columbus. I want to say happy, but it make a lot of sense for them. Yeah, for sure. That's funny too because I didn't tell you what team I was picking all week long no, on didn't. that OT segment, and then it ends up being that we just made the trade. So it's funny yeah. how that worked out. <laughs> Yeah, it is. 
All right, buddy. Well, we're going to run this week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Um, we had a really good show with Russ Cohen. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, at Sportsology. Um, he's, got a, he's got a great channel over at SoundCloud for all, all you guys out there. And, and uh, we'll be back next week, getting close to the trade deadline, like uh, Chris said. Lyle Richardson of Spectres Hockey is going to come in, break down all the movers and shakers, probably show us uh, that we didn't know what we were talking about and and uh, give us the hardcore truth on what's going to happen at the trade deadline. So no, nobody wants to miss that. So for this week, for Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone. We'll be right back.